Well, welcome back to another edition of the, the Boilers Extra podcast here on jconline.com and through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen covers Purdue Sports for the Journal and Courier with you as we look ahead to Saturday's game against uh, Minnesota. Big game for both teams. Another big game for Purdue from a just from this standpoint where they got a chance to start the season at 4-1 and one and they get into their open week. So huge game from that standpoint. Also a big game for Minnesota uh, coming off uh, whatever happened last week at uh, at, uh, uh, at, at uh, Minnesota against Bowling Green and here to discuss what he saw last week and what we might see this week. Randy Johnson from the Minneapolis Star Tribune covers the Gophers and Always good to have Randy on the podcast, and uh, always good to see him, and we'll see him on Saturday. But, Randy, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. All righty. So, what in God's name of Goldie Gopher happened last week to the Gophers? Oh, boy, that was something. That was uh, a perfect storm of things going bad for them. Uh, yeah, nobody saw that thing coming. Uh, and, you know, and obviously Bowling Green didn't get the memo that they're supposed to roll over for them. Um, no, it was, it, it, you know, most, most of the damage was in that 14, uh, 10 loss was inflicted by Minnesota's offense and special teams. Uh, uh, Tanner Morgan, quarterback, uh, five of 13 for 59 yards, uh, two later interceptions and, and then a, a lost fumble when they were, uh, in, in, uh, that kind of entered field goal range in the first half, uh, uh, they had a turnover on downs when, uh, BJ Fleck decided to go for it, um, on fourth and one from his 29. A uh, strategy that, that paid off against Ohio State, a very similar situation in the opener, but that, that didn't work this time. Um, that Bowling Green ended up, uh, scoring his first touchdown on that. And then, um, fourth quarter, uh, Gophers are down 14-10. Um, they had two special teams penalties. Uh, that extended, uh, Bowling Green drive. Bowling Green didn't score on the drive, but took up a lot of the clock. The, uh, Gophers had a, a roughing the punter penalty that extended the drive, and then, uh, uh, they forced Bowling Green to try a long field goal. It, they missed it, but, uh, defensive tackle lined up just a hair bit over the long snapper and got flagged for it, giving, uh, giving the Falcons the first down. Yeah, so it looks like a lot of little things went wrong for them. Um, and, and you know, just the week before, Minnesota's pounding the you know what out of Colorado. Yeah, the same team that played Texas A&M pretty tough the week before yep. that. And you know, before we started this, you said you know just they're kind of an inconsistent team. Are they an inconsistent team because of youth? Are they an inconsistent team of, or maybe are they an inconsistent team for some other reasons? I would say it's. Yeah, partially in youth in some areas, but this is a very veteran team for the most part. Uh, you know, you got uh, an offensive line that's you know uh, a lot of uh, a few uh, six-year seniors on there. You know, very big, very uh, very veteran. Um, you know, your quarterback's a fourth-year starter. Uh, he had a bad game, obviously. Um, yeah, they were missing uh, their top wide receiver, Chris Hoffman Bell. He played uh, two uh, plays and then went out for the game. Because of, uh, it looks like he re-aggravated the, uh, the ankle injury he had from training camp. He had missed the first two games of the season. Played pretty well uh, out of Colorado. Uh, led the team in receiving. Um, yeah, just a, you know, a little bit of everything. Just, 
just went wrong for him. And then it, it wasn't all in just one area. Uh, there'd be one problem that would crop up in one area, and then something else would crop up some, uh, later in the game. You know, the last time uh, Purdue fans saw Tanner Morgan in person, he was setting a Big Ten record going 21 of 22. Yep. And lighting, this lighting up their defense left and right. Now they have lost some talented receivers to the NFL. That's got to maybe be part of, um, what, why his numbers are not maybe where they, where they want them to be. But is there, can you pinpoint any other reason why he's kind of found himself in this, this, these struggles here? Not only last week, but when you look at his numbers a little bit from last year. But is there is there anything else you think that's going on there? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously uh, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman off the NFL now. That, that's that's a lot of talent there that he's missing, and and not having Ottman Bell. Uh, that was that's proven to be be a, a tough part for the offense. But you know, I'm also looking. Uh, you know, he's he's in the second year under uh, new, uh, the new offense coordinator Mike Sanford, and I. They, that just has the dynamic just as it hasn't taken off in the passing game yet. Um, you know, they still run the ball very well. And it, it just seems like sometimes they don't trust the pass game as, as much as, as you would think they would. Well, that's interesting because he, he's proven he can do it. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's the thing. But you did, you know, you brought up about the run game. And, you know, they, they started the year with probably the Big Ten's best back. In uh, Mohammed uh, Iberin, and yep. he, he goes down in the first game, but they just plug somebody else in there. And as you mentioned, they have they still have a good offensive line. They have an experienced offensive line. But what has what has Trey Potts brought to the running game that has allowed it to maintain the success that it's had? Yeah, but Trey runs very very hard. He, you know, he probably maybe not quite as hard as uh, as Mohammed, but uh, you know he, he's He's been able to get in there seamlessly and, you know, turn out, uh, uh, 300 yard games. Um, and they're developing the depth behind him too with, uh, they have a true freshman, uh, Bucky Irving, who's been doing pretty well. And then behind him, uh, uh, uh retro freshman, uh, Kai Thomas, who, uh, ran pretty well to Colorado. So they're, they have some explosive, uh, backs back there. And they're the big thing along that offensive line. They, they probably have the best blocking tight end in the Big Ten and Coke Keith. He's uh, a lot of pancake blocks this season already. What I mean, what what, what kind of makes him stand out there? Uh, uh, the, the running back or, or Cole? No, the uh, the the tight end. The tight end, just you know, uh, he's a big, uh, you know, six six four, six five, two sixty five. Uh, just just pretty, uh, just a tenacious blocker. Moves pretty well, and he, he does a really good job of, of sealing the edge. Right. Okay. Um, Anything else on their offense right now kind of strike you of what they've done? I, you know, they put up some decent points in yardage against Ohio State, uh, and they seem to be consistent in the running game, but is there anything else there that, have, that has kind of struck you about what they've done offensively so far? Yeah, yeah what they've, um, you know, they have a, a wideout, uh, Dalen Wright, to transfer from Texas A&M. He's had a couple of good games. Last week he was a little inconsistent, uh, didn't play quite as well. But he is a decent threat. Uh, he he, um, he can go up there and get the ball, and uh, you know he's, he's got the he's got the look of an, uh, an NFL type receiver. He's just got to develop into that. Right. So defensively, um, in their last two games, they've given up a total of 255 total yards, which is impressive against anybody. 
they've done a good job defensively, it appears. Uh, but is there, is are are there some holes there, or what? I mean, what are you seeing defensively? I mean, the Ohio State game is one thing because they have all those weapons. Yeah. But these last three games, what have you seen defensively from them? Well, basically, um, the last two they've been very very well. They're they're getting better. Um, their linebacker play has, has improved a lot. Uh, Mariano Sorimar had a very good game against uh, Bowling Green. Uh, Jack Gibbons, uh, a transfer from Abilene Christian, uh, he's been he's been a, a good one in there in the middle to help uh, shore up that uh, linebacker core. Um, they're the defensive line is starting to play better now too. They, they've they went the first two games without a sack. Now they get they've had four each in the past the uh, past two games. Um, they rotate a lot of guys in there. They're getting good production um, up the middle, uh, helping out the, the, the rush ends and things like that. Um, you know, the, the secondary, it's it, it's veteran. Um, you know, the, the past two weeks it hasn't been tested that much. So, you know, that's that's one area where they need to keep, continue to improve. Um, and you mentioned special teams that had some breakdowns last week. So... I, I get a sense that those probably will be fixed going, going, into, going into this. Uh, they would hope. I mean, it's it's you know so far they've you know the kicker the kicking has has been improved. Um, it, uh, the uh, Matthew Trickett, a uh, uh, transfer from Kent State, uh, he had he had a little tough game at Colorado, missed a chip shot of twenty four yarder, and then um, doinked a uh, extra point off an upright. But he's for the most part, he's been pretty good. You know, the field goals he's missed, he's missed a couple of long ones, but he's made from 50. So they're they're getting better production there. Punting could be a bit better. They're they're not getting uh, a lot of distance there, not not flipping the field quite as much as they would like to. Kickoffs have been strong, a lot of touchbacks there. So um, every program's been you know leaning on the transfer portal. Uh, you know, Purdue's no different. Minnesota's had had some, but who are some of the maybe the the guys that have stood out from a transfer perspective that have maybe you know helped this team a little bit or filled a, filled a hole that they that they that they needed to fill after last season? Sure, yeah, yeah. Last year, I mean, um, um, on offense, uh, Dalen Wright, for, he was the right. Texas A&M transfer. Right. <laughs> on defense, you have uh, Jack Gibbons from Abilene Christian. Then you have uh, a couple linemen, uh, Val Pinkney uh, from Clemson, and uh, Excuse me, Niles Pickney from Clemson and Val Martin from North Carolina State, who have um, who've done a good job in that rotation up front in the middle. Right. Do you do you anticipate PJ kind of still dipping into the transfer portal every year, um, trying to trying to find a find the jam, but also, I mean, you you also get in the portal because you you lack certain certain things in your program or you you know you just graduate a lot of guys from one position yeah i'd expect him to use it um you know it's it's not going to be the be all end all of, of how he puts together a team but uh definitely to fill holes and that's what he did this year with with the, the transfer he brought in um yeah it's it's a it's a new uh a new avenue to get players and i you know i think he'll he'll take advantage of that uh, uh, when he needs to so kind of give me your impression of what what you've seen from the Big Ten West team so far, as we as we get a little bit deeper into the season, where now we're going to see conference matchups every week. But what what has what has surprised you? What has disappointed you? Kind of where where do you think things stand right now in the Big Ten West? 
That's a good question. I think, you know, Iowa right now, I would say they're the team to beat. Um, they've looked the best. Uh, you know, they play some uh, really good defense. Um, their quarterback situation has, you know, he's, he's managed the game as well. Um, you know, it's a situation where a lot of people looked at that, that as possibly a weak spot going into the season, but it's, it hasn't been so far. Um, yeah, they're, they're the team to beat. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's run into a really tough schedule so far. Um, with football, Penn State, and Notre Dame, um, I would expect that that team will bounce back. Uh, yeah, then I, I think you have a, a group of others after that. And then we'll, we'll, I was, originally I was thinking the Gophers would be, you know, maybe toward the front of that next group, of, you know, like third place and on, but the Bowling Green uh, result kind of makes me wonder a little bit on that. <laughs> well, uh, don't, don't don't change your mind yet. You never know. No, no, I, I, it's, <laughs> but it, it, gives, it gives people pause. You know, what, okay, what kind of season can this team still have? I mean, obviously everything's still in front of them, but as far as the division goes, it's just a matter of, okay, will they be good enough to take advantage? Right. I mean, I, I think here at Purdue, they're trying, everyone's trying to figure out just, who they are a little bit more because they are three and one, but you know they only score one touchdown last week, and yeah. um, you know so I mean they're they're still trying to figure out some things here about Purdue, but they they need some of their main players back, and that's yeah. you know, they they need a David Bell back, they need a Payne Durham back, they need they need to generate a running game. So um, yeah, again as I as I mentioned at the beginning, if they somehow can win this game, they'll be four one going into their off week. And that, yeah. that may give them a chance to regroup, get some guys back, and then plow ahead in that second part of the schedule, which I think for everybody is going to be tough. I mean, I think the the, the, the Big Ten schedule from mid-October on is loaded with just yeah. games that are going to decide placings and championships and things like that. So it, it's going to be good for the fan, but probably uh, nerve-wracking for for the players and the coaches at that point. I'm, I'm really curious about the two games this week, uh, Iowa at Maryland on Friday and then uh, Michigan at Wisconsin. I think those will be uh, pretty telling for both of those Big Ten West teams. Yeah, I think the Iowa-Maryland game could be sneaky good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think that's got the potential to to really – I mean, I, their, their quarterback can challenge that Iowa defense, um, but can Iowa's offense respond if they need to get yeah. a shootout? That's the one thing to me about Iowa that – kind of gives me pause is just sure if they need to score 30 points can they do it can they do it and without this one being at, at maryland you yeah. know I, that's a big advantage for the turf i don't yeah. think uh i would be i i wouldn't think they'd have a much of a chance if it's a game were at iowa right well but can they score 30 points without the help of their defense scoring points for them yeah exactly and that's that's kind of the thing i'm i'm kind of curious to see about that game and how that one uh plays out uh, we've been uh, talking with Randy Johnson from the Minneapolis uh, Star Tribune, covers the Gophers, uh, Purdue's opponent on Saturday. Uh, Randy, appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck. Good luck traveling uh, to West Lafayette. The weather should be good. Uh, and just uh, just one other question. I mean, last year, obviously, in the Purdue-Minnesota game, uh, the, you know, the controversial uh, pass interference call on uh, Purdue tight end Payne Durham, which you know sent Jeff Brom into a different stratosphere as far as anger is concerned. Uh, but any lingering effects from that from the Minnesota side, or are they just like, okay, uh, we uh, you know, they won I, that game I, and we move on? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say they okay, you know, uh, 
Um, no, they get they get they uh, they got the win, and you know I don't think they're gonna, gonna <laughs> question them out. I mean, you know they'll take right now. They'll take any win they can get. Right. All right. Well, Rand- yeah. Well, Randy, we appreciate you 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 taking some time out this morning to talk about Saturday's game and give us kind of the state state of the Gophers as uh, oh, no problem, as we get it. we get as we get ready for Saturday's game. Once again, thanks a lot, Randy. Okay. Talk to you later. See ya. Yes, that's uh, Randy Johnson from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Uh, covers the Gophers, and we appreciate his insight on. Uh, what we might see on Saturday between Purdue and Minnesota um, should be uh, a good game. You know, the one trend in this series right now is that um, Minnesota uh, has won seven of the last eight meetings. In, in each of those meetings, they've scored at least 30 points. Um, the one time they did not, they lost to Purdue. That was Jeff Brom's first year. Um, so that that that's kind of going to be interesting to follow if – and if you listen, you know you listen to what Randy had to say. You know they're they're kind of leaning on the running game right now and uh, trying to get that going and trying to make that their strength. That you know how much are they going to trust Tanner Morgan in the passing game to maybe generate you know a high point total in Saturday? Or are they just going to try to lean on their running game to work the clock, work field position, and then you know take advantage of scoring opportunities there? Uh, but that's just kind of one trend to look at. You know, as we mentioned, I mean, this is a huge game for Purdue. I mean, last week's game against Illinois was big. Uh, now this one takes on a little bit more importance because you're staring at four and one, um, for, for Purdue. Uh, and, you know, I think everybody at the beginning of the year, as you, as you look at the schedule and say, well, if they could get to four and one going into their open week and then, who you have in the second part of the season with Iowa and Wisconsin and Nebraska and Michigan State, so on and so forth, you know, Purdue, in my estimation, would stand a pretty good chance of it finding two wins, at least two wins, in the second part of that schedule to, to qualify for a bowl. Uh, and that's, you know, as we, I've been pretty consistent of that. That's, to me, that's what this season is all about. Finding a way to get to a bowl game whether it's six wins, seven wins, whatever it is. But um, now they, they can still get there if they lose Saturday's game. But you'd much rather be four and one and needing two, uh, two wins there in October and November as opposed to needing three. Because um, you, you don't know how many more injuries Purdue's going to be able to withstand. You don't know exactly when players are going to be able to, to get back and, and play and contribute. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other issues dealing with Purdue right now as far as will they ever have a consistent running game? Will they be able to, to get some chunk yardage in, in the, in the running game? And how do you, how do you manufacture some of that? Um, and, you know, the quarterback situation as well. So they, they've got a lot of questions. You know, the, the whole goal right now is, uh, for Purdue standpoint is just find a way to win Saturday's game, be four and one. And then you got a couple, you know, you got a week to figure out some stuff before you really get into the meat of your schedule. By then, uh, maybe, you know, you would hope David Bell is back this week. Uh, but if not this week, obviously he would get an extra week. But players like Corey Trice, uh, Payne Durham, uh, Branson Dean, you know, guys that, that have played well are playing well for Purdue. If you can get as much of your your roster back intact or your two deep lineup back intact 
as you head into that Iowa game on October 16th, um, you know, that's definitely going to benefit Purdue. But, you know, Purdue's defense is playing well, and, you know, and that's going to be the key again coming up Saturday, I think, is um, can, can this defense continue to make the plays it needs to make on third down uh, and, and just in key situations? They, they gave up a lot of rushing yards last week, but Illinois didn't get in the end zone. Um, in, in part because uh, Illinois' quarterback play was just not very good. I would expect Tanner Morgan to be better. Uh, I, I don't think he'll be 21 to 22. Uh, if he is, I think, you know, uh, Jeff Brown won't know what to do at that point because he's already watched that performance. Uh, and they, they just don't have the NFL kind of receivers that they had a couple years ago either, but they do have some, some talented guys that can make some plays. So if Purdue's defense can maintain what it's been doing, then, you know, you like, you know, you like this game to be close. You think this game's going to be close as you head into the fourth quarter. And it's a matter of making some plays from the offensive standpoint. I would expect, and we've heard nothing official, but I would expect, um, Aiden O'Connell to be your starter, uh, Saturday, uh, at quarterback. Uh, and the offense just, it flows differently with him back there. It did last week. Uh, even though he had two picks, one was not on him. The, the, the first one in the, in the end zone was on him. But, um, I, I believe and just by watching that, uh, they play a little bit faster. They have a different kind of tempo to them when O'Connell's a quarterback. Um, and things kind of flow a little bit better. I mean, they averaged seven, what was it? 7.5 yards per play. With O'Connell at quarterback last week, as opposed to 3.6 with Plummer. Now that's not all on each quarterback, but the one thing O'Connell has done during his career, when he's got the opportunity to play, is he's been able to stand in the pocket and make those not long throws, but make those intermediate throws that are just over the linebackers and in front of the secondary to get some bigger chunks of yards, and for. For whatever reason, uh, Jack Plummer has struggled to make those throws and uh, therefore Purdue doesn't have the chunk plays that it, that it needs. Um, you know, the long pass last week from, um, O'Connell to Yassim just seemed to open up things for the offense, uh, and created an opportunity to hit some other plays. Uh, and if they can, Get that at the beginning, and also their their red zone offense needs to produce touchdowns. I mean, if they if if Purdue would have gotten two touchdowns instead of two field goals last week, Purdue's up fourteen nothing. Uh, the game is different, um, and maybe Purdue goes on and wins that game, whatever twenty four to ten, or whatever it is. But you you've got to start. They've got to start converting those. Um, red zone opportunities and the touchdowns. I believe they're two for their last eight in the red zone when it comes to touchdowns and trips to the red zone. So they, they've got to get that, first of all, over 50%. And they've got to get it closer to, you know, 70% or so. Uh, that, that's a, that's a big deal. And, you know, th- those are situations that you just cannot, uh, you, you cannot waste those opportunities because those do come back to haunt you. And it almost did, uh, last week. And, you know, you go back to Notre Dame game. You know, if they, they're able to convert, you know, a couple of those red zone, or at least in Notre Dame field position early in the game, 
instead of three nothing, maybe it's ten nothing. And not that Notre Dame's going to do anything different, but it gives you, um, it pushes your team forward just a little bit more. And you know, they they need to start taking advantage of those, those situations. And you know, I know that you know all the coaches they're looking at it, they're trying to figure out what can what can help. Um, I, I think the main hindrance in those situations is. Uh, just the inability to consistently run the ball. Um, you know, you've got to get, you know, sometimes you've got to get two yards on third and two from the six to keep the drive alive or to keep keep the first down going. Do you have enough confidence in your offensive line, enough confidence in your running backs to get that done? Um, and right now, Purdue's not been great in short yardage situations. Uh, I think there's some other things that they can do. One being, I, I would you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Austin Burton, uh, dual threat quarterback, uh, come in and maybe run the option or at least, um, give the threat of a run from the quarterback to, you know, change things up a little bit, force the defense to, okay, they, they have another defender because with Plummer and O'Connell, you don't really worry about them running as much as you would somebody like Burton. It'd be a new wrinkle, something that they haven't shown yet. Uh, but obviously uh, it has to be in their playbook. I saw it in their playbook when we were able to watch practice uh, earlier in the year uh, at, at, at fall camp. So things like that I think can help their running game. And um, and you'd like to see that in some, some key situations. If they do get in a third and one in the red zone or third and two, maybe pop Burton in there to do something. I, if, if you watch Sunday Night Football, uh, last week with the Green Bay Packers and the 49ers, very last play of the first half, uh, the 49ers brought in, uh, Trey Lance, uh, for Jimmy Garofalo, uh, and they run a little motion play, and then he just kind of kept it and went around the, the left side, uh, for a touchdown on the very last play. That would be something, if I was Purdue, I would be putting that in my playbook to, to see if that can work, if that can be a play that Purdue could execute at the goal line or, you know, you're at midfield, fourth quarter, you need to keep the ball, you don't want to give the ball back to Minnesota, so you run you run that kind of play just to make sure that you, you maintain possession. So there's little things like that, I think, that can help the running game, uh, but from a traditional running game standpoint, you know, Purdue's just going to struggle with that this year because your offensive line is who it is. You're down to your third and your fourth running backs right now, one of them being a freshman and the other one who has, who doesn't have a lot of college experience, but has, has held up well. Uh, so, you know, they've got, they've got some things to figure out, but also think they have some other avenues to go to, to be creative in, in getting some more yards on the ground. Um, and, and you're not going to get the home run hitters out of this group. But what you're looking for, as I mentioned, third and fourth and one and two and being able to keep the ball or to keep a drive alive so you can go down and score and win the game or extend the lead or, you know, however those things work out. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by the uh, podcast. Again, thanks to Randy Johnson for taking time to talk about the Gophers and what they may uh, show on Saturday. Uh, we'll have a, a recap of the game uh, afterwards. Uh, on the podcast, hopefully uh, uh, later Saturday night, uh, as we uh, get through all the work that that needs to be done to to recount and recap uh, what happened 
Saturday at Ross State Stadium. Again, thanks for stopping by and have a good day.